0: Welcome to episode three of soccer better on the use of var in soccer if you're new here i'll explain when we think of a dictionary definition of soccer we think soccer a verb the act of playing supporting managing or researching the beautiful game For example, when we think analytically about the world and the beautiful game, we realize there are many ways we can all soccer better. We are Liz and Laura Ellen. Between the two of us, we have way too many years of graduate education to be helpful. We decided to journey into the critical thinking and analytical side of all things soccer. Join us as we discover how we can all soccer better. Liz, I feel like it has been forever since we have had a chance to sit down and talk about research. How are you doing?
1: I am overwhelmed by the underwhelming amount of research for this one. I feel like there's a lot of opinion for for this show.
0: Yeah, no, and I I would totally agree with you. I think this is certainly more of a a research slash opinion-based episode only because, and I think this is the reason, just even from my own personal experience, it takes forever for research to be published in the peer-reviewed literature, which is the primary source of information for these episodes. And so there isn't a lot out there, and what's out there is like, marginally related i think we had like one uh or two uh articles that were actually good articles but other than that it was like hard to find
1: i also think it's very hard for them right now because you're not sure exactly what uh pieces to look at to get good information so they've thrown a lot of spaghetti at the wall and we're still waiting to see exactly what sticks to make this more effective.
0: Yes. Who has the stickiest spaghetti is what yes, we're looking for. Yes, absolutely. Um, okay, so we have both watched a lot of soccer recently. It was great. I know. I, yeah, I uh, have watched so much soccer in the past like couple of weeks, which has been amazing. And I think watching all that soccer definitely informs and helps me to think more about this topic. Uh, so let's get into it. Are you ready?
1: i'm so ready let's do it
0: okay all right so var is our topic for today and what does var stand for video assistant referee now if you would have asked me if you would have given me like a multiple choice test and said what does var stand for like you know i know what it is i do not think i could have picked that one out i think i i I was i was thinking like video assisted review i think is what i had always thought but it's video assistant referee um so, so that is what VAR is. Now, when can it be used? And this is the part where I feel like it gets a little sticky sometimes, right? This is where, you know, potentially the spaghetti is it or is it not going to stick on the wall. But currently, as we are recording now, um, VAR can be used in three specific situations. So is it a goal or is it not a goal? Um, is it a penalty kick or is it not a penalty kick? And then is it a straight red card? Um, so this has just and again just all the soccer i think that i've watched i know that you and i have texted a bunch when we're watching the same game and var is used and we're like oh my gosh we have to talk about you know um but these straight red card decisions i think is you know has also been you know pretty interesting and also with penalty kicks or not
1: the penalty kicks turned out to be the most interesting use of var which i don't know if i really would have expected and Um, how how sticky does the goalie have to be to that line turned into a whole thing but to be fair I think there were a lot of line issues Um, like is the ball touching the line how much is minimal touching are your cleats touching the line how much is that minimal touching like that got very nitpicky this this game or this uh, world cup and I I didn't expect that and it it took me out of the moment for the moment, but when I got to the end of the World Cup, like, it's not really what I focus on or remember. So I guess it turned out okay, but in the moment I was like, seriously, that's not close enough? Give me a break.
0: Yeah, which, you know, just for context, right? So so we're talking about the 2019 Women's World Cup, which has just ended as of um, our recording of this. And you're right. I think, you know, from a U.S. perspective, reflecting back on this World Cup, I don't think a lot about it, but I also probably don't think a lot about it because we won, right? So like
1: Well, yeah, we, we got some we got some good VAR calls.
0: Right, exactly. We didn't lose, I mean, we didn't lose at all throughout the tournament, but we didn't lose because of VAR, right? And so I think some other countries probably feel differently about that because of their experience with VAR, but um okay. So let's, let's take a step back here and let's actually think about, okay, so what does VAR look like throughout the course of a game? We've been kind of alluding to it a little bit. And so black men, um in 2018, and I think that's another thing, all of these articles are super recent because this is a new thing. This is a new thing to actually be implemented in, um, you know, official um, soccer, you know, playing. So, um, so this 2018 article, he describes VAR as, quote unquote, the fifth member of the refereeing team, which I thought that was interesting because, you know, throughout the World Cup, anytime that they would show VAR, it would be like this panel of televisions, with this group, like it was a collective group yes. of people who were working on angles and talking with the center official to to like figure out what, uh, you know, the best thing is. Um, I guess is. Te- technically that,
1: that's what it is. It's like, it's your fifth member. But so the progression of it is that team looks at their many, many monitors with all of their angles. And of course they, you know, do replay on their own, full speed or slow-mo, which we'll get into later, whichever they prefer. Um, and they analyze plays that are relevant um, for clear and obvious errors, you know, just the specific plays that we talked about. And at that time, if they think there there may have been a clear and obvious error, they do not say for sure there was, they say there may have been, they alert the game officials who then decide whether or not they want to review the play on the sidelines. When I'm reading through that description, all I can think of is if I'm the center ref and I get a call, Either I'm going to go, oh my God, what did I screw up? Because there may have been a clear and obvious error, but I may be someone who feels like, oh, there was, I obviously made an error. Let me go see what it was. Or more likely because I am who I am. I'll be like, "Mm -mm, shut the front door. I don't make mistakes. I know what (laughs) I saw. And I'm going to, I'm going to dig in and be like, you can't make me change my mind. I don't want to go look at that screen. So I think it's really psychologically weird that that's how it's described um, and I think that that may make it a little bit harder to for anyone when you're looking at this and you get that call like, hey, listen, we don't trust you. Decide what you want to do. And so I don't know how you you balance that. Like, do you be com- how do you balance being confident in yourself and wanting to make the right decision and understanding that they have, may have seen an angle that was blocked from you. Like, I don't know how to be rational about that personally.
0: Yeah, and I think that's something that, um, I mean, obviously for the officials that we were watching, um, specifically thinking about the Women's World Cup, right? Like, these are um, officials who are at the top of their game, right? So they've been doing this for so long. And I think um, from everything that I understand, like, there are feedback loops for officials anyway, whether it's happening kind of in the game time or post game or like a week later or whatever it is like they are going back and reviewing footage and saying oh yeah i did miss that one and so it is interesting that like that feedback is happening so much more quickly but it's also affecting it's affecting potentially the outcome of the game which i think is like a, a very tricky thing um and this gets more into like the opinion piece right and not necessarily like the the science or the research of it um but yeah, I just I don't know. <laughs> I th- I think it, it it I think it does have to be some sort of like psychological adjustment, and that would be an interesting talking about Spaghetti hitting the wall and sticking to the wall. That would be like an interesting um, survey to like. I wonder. I'm I'm wondering if someone did like a pre post analysis. Like, what were um, confidence levels of referees prior to the implementation of VR, VAR? And is there anything about their like. Psychological performance or uh, self assessment post VAR that has changed because of the use of VAR, like throughout games. I, I don't know. Yeah. Or do they
1: have the the VR, VARFs? Like, do they have standard language that they use when they are telling them to review it? Or, because again, you can run the whole gamut. You can be someone who's like, oh, that play needs reviewed, and that's all they say. Or are they just off the cuff, and someone's like, listen, go look, or trust me, or um, like all these other things that could lead a ref to doubt themselves or to think that, oh, you know what, maybe I was a little bit light, that deserved a red card and not a a yellow card, like either way, I don't know how they convey the message, I would hope that they're standard scripts, but I don't know if they've thought that far, because this has recently been implemented, Um, who all uses it, because I have no idea, I know I just watched the World Cup and they use it, and then I watched the Gold Cup and they don't use it. But I had no idea who all uses it.
0: Yeah, so this is just, I mean, this is a, a brief, you know, kind of skimming. And these are kind of leagues that I'm most familiar with personally as a soccer fan. But then I know that like a lot of fans in the U.S. are familiar with these leagues. So the the UEFA Champions League, which is the European Champions League, they use it. They used it this past season was their first uh, season you using it? Um, as we've talked about already, the Women's World Cup, um, which was this year in France, uses VAR. Uh, the Men's World Cup from last year, um, from 2018 in Russia, used VAR. Uh, MLS uh, currently uses VAR, and the Premier League. Uh, which is the top division in England, will be using VAR for the first time uh, this coming season. So the 2019-2020 season, which I think is super interesting because throughout the, the last season, the 2018-2019 season, um, listening to a lot of the commentators and kind of reading on Twitter with a bunch of Premier League fans, Um, there was a lot of talk about, oh, well, next year with VAR, we'll get that call or oh, with next year with VAR, like it was just very interesting to kind of hear, um, kind of some of the anticipatory effects of, uh, the use of VAR, which I think is, is super interesting, but I, I should say that many other sports, right, soccer is a little bit late to the game when it comes to using some type of video assisted, uh, refereeing or, or, or officiating, um, so American football, um, cricket, ice hockey, tennis, basketball, um, just to name a few, they all use some sort of you know, video-assisted video review as part um, of the game of play or the run of play, um, which I think is really interesting.
1: But you can't be surprised that soccer waited so long because part of what I love about soccer is that The game is the game, and you play, and you don't have commercial breaks. Like, American football is built for, and probably hockey too, they're built for commercial breaks. They're built for water breaks. They're built for, you watch 15 if you're lucky. You watch 15 (laughs) minutes of play, 10 minutes of play, and then you sit around for 15 or 20 minutes. So slowing down that game, like, no one's surprised. No one's surprised at all by those things. I don't know how fast cricket is. Tennis, basketball, I don't watch those things.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, and, and I think you're absolutely right, I think. And, you know, it, it's it's interesting even thinking about, you know, like American football has been played uh, for over 100 years now at this point in the U.S. in, in some capacity. And so certainly 100 years ago, they weren't um, having, you know, televised things with um, commercials. And so it's like at some point the commercialization of these sports has kind of uh, taken over um kind of the flow of the game but but you're also right like things like baseball you have innings or or basketball there's you know lot timeouts and and tennis you know there's you know every point is kind of like a reset where you don't have that at all uh in soccer um so what is the criticism which again this is something where we really tried really hard to find like okay are there like peer reviewed articles is there actual research that talks about the criticism and you know i think we were able to find one article that was published this year which again i think this is just talking about how hard and you know how sometimes you know it's not like publishing um an article in a newspaper or on a blog or something the peer review process takes a really long time um to talk about uh the criticisms of this and so um uh, is, I think, 20... Um, 20- yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, so so he... It was very interesting, this piece, because he is certainly a researcher, has cited himself and cited several other things in this piece, but this was more of, a, of an opinion perspective piece um, than, than a strict research piece. Um, but from his perspective, um, one of the key and most attractive things about soccer is its unpredictability and by that he means there is this degree of uncertainty about who's going to win the game um which i think you know i think we can all say that i think there were games even just thinking back to this world cup where you're like i think this team's gonna win but who really knows right um which is really exciting and that's a fun part and so he um, reported an analysis that he had done, I believe that he had done previously, um, which shows um, that decreasing over time, this uncertainty has been decreasing over time in the English Premier in the English Premier League. Which I think has, you know, I think there are many, many reasons for that. But um, he was just showing that kind of overall, anyway, this uncertainty about who's going to win is already decreasing. And so he argued that VAR. Um, favors the better team, which continues to reduce the uncertainty and, from his perspective, takes away the joy of watching the game, um, (laughs) which I thought was just so interesting. Liz, what did you think about this article?
1: Um, I really liked how he he was talking about the imperfection, that we can't expect these refs to be perfect, and we should never expect them to be perfect. And you're not going to get a perfect game, but you're going to see someone put their heart and soul into this, And that's what you should enjoy about soccer. I don't know if... I understand what he's saying about the predictability being reduced, but I don't think it's decreased on a game-to-game basis. I mean, if you take Brighton Hove Albion, who you rooted for this year, we'll give you (laughs) some props here. The stuff that they were able to do and where they were able to end up in the table, no one would have predicted that. Um, And they did it on a on a different scale you mean like teams were they would win and you're like oh man like this is going to be a great season and then you know two or three games you'd be like what's happening you just you just fell apart like the this isn't you're not playing man city today you beat them two weeks ago what's happening today um i do think that the the unpredictability maybe he's complaining about the top of the table and you know where a lot of teams end up in the middle table for example, Everton always seems to end up, you know, right around that exact same spot. I've listened to Josh complain about it for years. I will continue to listen to him to complain about it for years. <laughs> but I think that some of that, that the top four, who's going to end up around seven to nine, um, knowing the majority of those teams and being those being predictable has a lot more to do with the money that's being spent. Not just on the players, but on the facilities, because if you have the facilities, and you have the doctors, and you have the cryogenics, and you have, you know, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Not only are you going to attract the better players, but you're going to be able to keep your players in better shape. And like, you, anyone who watches um, EPL, like you can list the litany of things. So I think that his complaint about the decreased um, unpredictability is a little bit bogus because I don't think that it has to come down to VAR. I think that these teams, as you watch them, they make the same mistakes. They they push the same people. They make bad tackles when they're frustrated. Whether they're ahead or behind, you don't know what's going to set them off. It could be a fan because those fans are vicious. Um, so, I, I don't know. I don't know if I believe him. I understand what he's saying, but I think on a game-to-game basis in these kinds of calls, I don't think that's going to hinder the unpredictability. I think our games are going to be just as interesting. It will be – the learning curve is where where I'm interested to see where that goes.
0: Yeah, and I think – yeah, I think you've brought up a good point, especially when we're talking about the Premier League. I think when you talk about a different league, such as MLS, you know, where – from year to year there is there aren't necessarily like a group of top teams you know like last year Atlanta United you know ran away with it right but like this year they're not doing well um you know all of you know kind of since their inception the Philadelphia Union has not done super well and they've stayed and and maintained you know knock on wood um you know at the top of the Eastern Conference and so you know I th- I think Right, I think there are just so many other factors. and But it also, you know, I think you're right, and I think you touched on something. It is the learning curve of the officials. It's the learning curve of um, the players to adjust. Like, this is just another factor that they have to learn and have to adjust to, just like any other rule change or or anything else. And so I think, I don't know, that's kind of where I fall on it, but I thought it was just, like, super fascinating thing because I could tell that I think this, this article was written short, like, as he was watching the the 2018 uh, Men's uh, World Cup. And so it was just, like, very funny to kind of, like, li- just, like, watch him kind of explain just, like, how hurt he was by how he felt like the game wasn't enjoyable anymore. And I was like, I just watched the Women's World Cup and it was super enjoyable. Yeah. And I, like, didn't just watch just the U.S. games. I watched other games, too. And, and they were enjoyable also. So, anyway, different perspective, I guess.
1: Yeah, but as more of this is being used i guess we're going to get more of these opinion pieces um the next one that that i was the opinion piece that i thought was interesting was uh, rick gershman wrote instant replays is it helping or hurting sports and i think that he him and hagen Hagen would get along pretty well because he says if it's an opinion call if it's open to interpretation you shouldn't be allowed to use var it's like mm, really like anything, isn't everything open to interpretation except for maybe offside? Everything else is interpretation. So I think that might be pushing it a little far. These guys are very, very much trying to maybe, you know, take a back step um, to, I don't know, like the classics of soccer. But soccer's always had to evolve with a different technology. I don't know the player's name, but I know that it's. Uh, that Josh loves to tell the story about this player who was always super aggressive. And he would talk about how he would, you know, like, pinch the other players and step on their feet. And, like, he's like, there's only so many refs. Like, you you can't see anything. Da-da-da-da. And he's like, but as soon as they started being televised, I was under the microscope. And whether or not it happened during the game, people knew that I was a troublemaker. And so I quit before my time was up because (laughs) I couldn't be a troublemaker anymore. It's like, oh... Okay, that's a decision. So it, I'm not saying that VAR is gonna you know stop someone from doing something heinous, but you just you have to evolve with the technology.
0: Yeah. So let's talk a bit about the science. Um, and this uh, was kind of the one, uh, at least from my perspective, like true research article that we found, um, and believe me, I did a lot of looking, um, so again, if, if you, if people out there, if you find a, like an actual research site that looks at VAR that we missed, send it to me because we are definitely going to have to do a follow-up show in like a year or so when more research comes out as there's more data about the use of VAR, but this is what we have right now. So, uh, this article looked at um, the speed of the video, so looking at slow motion versus like a real-time speed. Um, and some of the things that that I found interesting, um, and so they had a couple um, so this was from um, Spitz and colleagues from 2018 that uh, just as Liz was saying, right? Some decisions are objective. So did the ball fully cross the goal line? That's like that's an objective call. That's something you can measure. Um, it's something that like if you get a, a picture of it, and, and we've seen this, right? We've seen that like, a goal has been counted in because it was, like, a couple blades of grass between the, you know, the last little bit of the ball and, and the inside of the goal line, right? That's considered a goal. And other decisions are subjective. So, um, the existence and severity of a foul. So, was it uh, not a foul at all? Was it a foul without a card? Was it a yellow card foul? Or was it a red card foul? Um, and so this is what, um, they've looked, what they looked at. And I think one of the things that that was interesting to me, um, was that previous research has shown, and, and they cited this article by, uh, Caruso and colleagues from 2016, that slow, slow motion video increases perceived intent. And they, and this research site that they cited, um, took place in like courtroom settings. So looking at, um like, you know, some sort of crime. And if they showed the video of the crime in slow motion, there was this increased um, perceived intent to, like, commit whatever the crime was. Which makes perfect sense. Right.
1: Because if I'm sitting there watching it, I can say, oh, well, you know, Hazard had, in my mind, he had three seconds to know that he wasn't going to get the ball. And why would you go in, studs up? So, of course... That makes perfect sense why I'm going to switch that to a red card. That was very dangerous. Whereas if I watched the video at regular play, it was one quarter of a second that I actually watched. But in my mind, it is three seconds. Or depending on the angle that you have, if you can see someone's eyes and heaven forbid they shift back and forth and you that's what you noticed, you're like, well, he looked both ways and then he threw his elbow in his face. <laughs> like, So I, I totally get how that can change your perspective and it makes me we'll continue going on with this research but it really points out the differences between slow-mo and regular speed and um some of our suggestions for later on
0: yeah yeah for sure um and so one of the other studies that they cited was gillis um and colleagues from 2009 that found that offside assessment was worse when the video was played faster than at a slower speed which again i think offside Um, and calling off sides is a pretty objective, like, that, that's a pretty, like, the rule is pretty objective, and so, you know, even if, like, you're, like, you know, half an inch of your elbow was off sides, like, you're technically off sides as it relates to the rule, um, so um as a result of this research spitz and colleagues um examined, examined subjective calls and the relationship with the speed of replay um and then what the result of the the uh and it was they were looking at fouls um so they found that the speed of video replay has an effect on the severity of the dis, uh, disciplinary decision so um slower videos When videos were replays were played at a slower speed, um, there tended to be an increase in the disciplinary decision. So from going from a no card to a card and then a yellow card to a foul, Um, which I found that to be super interesting. But again, as they laid out in their article, like it makes sense, right? That like just we, I think as humans, when we see something in slow motion, we're like, oh my goodness, we just perceive that there's more time there um that you know for some kind of intent or some kind of like change in direction that could have occurred to avoid the collision or or whatever it was what did you think Liz
1: yeah i thought it was really interesting that they started off with this wide breadth of things that they wanted to test and then as they got into the the data so they they had a group of 20 referees and they showed um a scene to them in slow motion and in regular regular speed um, and they were supposed to make calls about fouls and their cards, offside. But there was a number of things that they wanted to test in the grand scheme of things. And then when they started looking at the research, they're like, we don't there's no correlation on this end. there's no correlation on this end. And they settled on not if there was a foul because there was no correlation to the speed and if there was a foul, which I found very surprising because there was a correlation on we- on how severe the foul was. And then um, there was a correlation about the offside assessment. So, um, and it was a lot about, it was a lot about matching. I think the other thing is, like, to take this with a grain of salt, the the refs who got either, so not the base set of 20, but the ones they sent the scenes out to either at regular or, or slow speed, and they only got one or the other, um, they knew what the original ref had decided. So, Again, I don't know the level of experience of everyone. I don't know how familiar they are with replays. They didn't really get into that depth about the background of each of the refs that were doing um, the base refs or the ones who were doing the testing. So I think it's a little weird that they gave them the information about what the original call was, which I know on the field you have because either you or your team has made the call, but I don't know if that's the right way to test VAR and its accuracy, so I was a, I was a little iffy on um, how good I felt. But knowing that they really did take the time to narrow down to um, just a couple of subjects that this really worked for made me feel like there was some stickiness. Half half the noodle stuck for me, and half the noodle was just dangling there, you know, waiting for for something to give it a little more oomph.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I think no I I totally agree I mean I think there has to be some um, bias there with kind of knowing that original decision I mean I think one of the other things for me is just kind of this field is just like this body of research is just so incredibly new. And so my guess is, is that um, probably over the next couple of years, some of the research studies that we're going to be seeing are probably going to be pretty um, questionable or not questionable, but they're just not going to have the rigor that some of our other studies and some of the other things that we think about that research has been done for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, um, and can like build off of each other and kind of explore some of the nuance that just doesn't necessarily exist right now with VAR, um, and VAR research. Um, but yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I do just think it is like really interesting thinking about, you know, uh, there, you know, there are so many things that contribute to a a ref's decision to give a card, to award a foul, to give a yellow card, a second yellow, or a straight red card. And I think, um, for me, it's, it's just interesting how VAR has now become one of those things that we now have to think about, in addition to kind of all the other things. Um, and also, it's something that refs have to think about also, which, you know, has to be um, a bit of a, a burden on them as well. So... Maybe we take a break.
1: We think about how hard these refs' refs' lives are and that we're not going to give them such a hard time (laughs) when they use VAR. No? Okay, yeah, you're right. We're never going to do that. We're going to hold up our cards. We're going to shake our hands. We're going to take a break anyways. Let's talk about roughneck scarves. I said it before. I'll say it again. I'm a scarf snob. I'll only trade for a true bar scarf. And don't give me any of those silk scarves. I know we support teams in the middle of summer, but there's nothing better than a bar scarf for me. And I appreciate the attention to detail and quality product that Roughnut provides in their scarves. We have to mention the beautiful Game Network, not only for giving us a platform to talk about these topics, but they've encouraged us so much uh, to create something that's really uniquely ours. BGN has some uh, has become quite the group. Um, we have podcasters and writers, and they're covering. So much stuff. And can I tell you, they've become so excited about the women's game. And I'm fine with that. I don't care that it took a little bit of time. I'm going to let them have all of the credit for this. They've decided to you know, start covering that more, to reach out to more people to cover that. Um, and we really are trying to support people like them. So go on over to BGN and see if you can find a podcast or a writer that you'd like to follow. Um, also, Soccer Better merch is going to be coming soon. Let's just say they're going to be tank tops for days because that's what matters to me
0: tank tops for days yes all right thank you liz we love our sponsors yay okay so what does var mean for the future of soccer and this is where again we have some research but this is really where it gets into kind of our perspectives and kind of what we think as we've read the research and and we think critically and analytically about these topics but also kind of what our perspective is as fans. And so um, as we go through all of this, I'm sure our listeners are going to have a ton of opinions, so they should definitely check us out online and let us know what their opinions are and uh, tell us what uh, we disagree with but uh, or what they disagree with. Uh, so again, there's not a ton of research on this topic. I've said it before. I'll say it again. We are definitely going to have to do another show on this, which I'm excited for. I'm excited to revisit this topic in a year, year and a half. And then see, you know, what else is out there? What new is out there? Um, so the first thing uh, is just kind of like there's not consistently, cur- consistency currently um, between leagues and competitions. And, Liz, I know this is something uh, you've already mentioned, but do you want to talk more about it?
1: It's just very frustrating to see something get reviewed and um, the right call happen in the World Cup and then to watch the gold cup and just shake your head because it is something that it is a clear and obvious error it may have been a clear and obvious error and someone should politely suggest a review <laughs> it i just if i'm going to watch soccer i know that i'm not going to get the same quality of play across all the leagues that i watch because i watch a huge breadth leagues and I really enjoy that because I can compare the speed and I can compare the players I can compare their fitness levels it really helps me learn a lot about soccer to watch that huge breadth. however I would like to watch the same consistency with my my refs because they're supposed to move from the bottom up and so if they can't um, get the experience and they can't be consistent um, across all of the leagues, then why should I trust them when I already don't? And I would just, I would like to see my game um, flow in a similar manner. Um, and I think this is a problem that I also have with like, I try to watch high school and college soccer, and I don't understand those rule differences at all. If if someone out there can just like sit me down and be like, these are the differences, that'd be great. I'm, I'm putting that out there right now. So for me, it's really that I want to see the same uh, quality of roughing because i know that these refs are going to move up in the ranks and they're going to be um, eventually hopefully on the world stage and i want to understand that they know what they're doing and if you're not using the same technology or you're not looking at the plays with the same kind of analytical mind because you know you don't have to that's a problem
0: yeah for sure Uh, Yeah, no, I I totally agree. And and I think it was an interesting thing watching the Premier League last season when they weren't using VAR and then switching over to the Champions League, which had a lot of the same teams. Uh, from the Premier League and from La Liga, and and, and they're using VAR there. And so um, it has to be hard for the players. It has to be hard for the officials. And so I think just having consistency across leagues, and, and I think we're slowly getting there. Um, and certainly there are technology upgrades that need to happen uh, for this, you know, to be feasible for some leagues. But you know, I'm like, if the MLS can do it, I, the EPL can definitely do it. So um, I don't, I that's don't, just how like, I feel. Are you
1: calling out the EPL there? Listen, oh, MLS I'm so can do calling. it. <laughs> I'm calling okay. out the EPL. So do you think that that leads to a lot of frustrations? You said that a lot of teams played in the Champions League, and then they also play in the EPL. And Do you think that that leads to those players wanting to argue with the refs more and risking a dissension card because they think that they would have gotten it if there had been var and now that they're stuck without it they feel like they have to be more aggressive advocates
0: i don't know i think you know that's a that's a good that's a good question i don't i mean i don't have like a strong i haven't thought about it i i don't have a strong like thought on that one way or the other i mean i think I do just think it it is, you know, and certainly like Champions League is for the top teams from each league. So yeah. um, you know, so they're the top athletes like in in that in their respective country um, anyway. And so my guess is is that there's I think, for me watching Champions League games, there's enough of a difference between La Liga games and Champions League games and Premier League games and Champions League games. I don't watch, like, Bundesliga or some of the other leagues, but I I would imagine that there's still enough of a difference that – my guess is there's probably a different mindset. Um, okay. Uh, and, and also my guess is that the Champions League refs don't put up with anything from any of those players, so
1: oh. – Oh, well, you have a really good point there. I think – yeah – I mean, I guess I won't be able to, to investigate this hypothesis, but maybe I'll pay a little bit more attention between and see uh, see if that does affect how they, they argue their point of view.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and it, it'll be hard because this year, you know, the EPL, the Premier League, um, will have VAR. Right. Um, so, anyway, we'll see. Um, so one of the other things when it comes to kind of the future of the sport um, and kind of its intersection with technology, uh, bad Badami um, and colleagues in 2018 put out a paper um, that talked, and and they proposed a different strategy for using technology to assist referees. Um, And they uh, proposed this through the use of computer vision, and so they entitled this new strategy AMS-VR, but didn't say what that stood for, um, which was very confusing for me. But um, (laughs) anyway, Um, but this strategy that they proposed leverages um, advances in video and detection technology to identify players from each team, the goalkeepers, and the referee. And then it uses this advanced technology to assess in real-time offsides, fouls, and goals as the game is happening. Um, however... Uh, so it's just like
1: more buzzes on the watch? So like yeah. one buzz is a goal, two buzzes is someone is offside, three buzz. This isn't going to get confusing at all. It's fine.
0: <laughs> I don't know how refs are expected to do all of this as much as we... Um, Harp on the refs and kind of criticize them. I, I, this has to be like so mind-boggling for them at times. Um, However, this whole um, proposal is theoretical, and no studies have been conducted to show if it's effective at all. Um, And furthermore, one of the things that I thought about, and and one of the things that they did mention, they talked about the use of of the cameras that and the quality of the cameras that would be needed in order to really be able to do that. And I think they were talking about that one camera would cost like $22,000. And I know some of the like high quality HD cameras that are used are very expensive anyway, but I'm like $22,000 for a camera. Um, but further, you know, there's not any studies to show that this approach is effective. There's no like comparative cost analysis um, to assess like a marked improvement from current, the current VAR Approach to other kind of technology assisted approaches. Um, I did think it was interesting though uh, because they talked about, you know, the ability of you know, you take a picture with your smartphone now and you put it on social media and it's able to detect faces, right? And so this is kind of taking that level of technology to the next level and be able to identify which players are on which teams and then follow them all over the field to identify who is off sides, um, you know, are fouls being... It, it, it was a fascinating article. I think everyone should read it. Um, but again, you can't it, see me, it feels I'm very making, sci-fi. If-
1: super skeptical face <laughs> all of this still feels like you're gonna have to either have your computer in the back room that's telling somebody who then tells the ref so it work just like var except for it's cost prohibitive for most groups or you'll have your your fifth ref will be just part of the the, the uh scoreboard you know what i mean and it'll be some you know Lady, they're going no, no, no. <laughs> or I mean, I'm sure it's not what they're gonna do, but it, it, whatever it is, that it it'll be something that's super visible to the entire stadium to say, oh, well, we tracked their face. I also, oh, uh, okay. I'm not even gonna get into it because now I'm like, <laughs> I'm concerned about all these privacy things, kids, because I'm a privacy attorney. I don't like any of this personally. <laughs> I think that. Perhaps um, Badami and his associates are preparing to um, launch a company, and this is what they want to do. And I anticipate that they're going to do it poorly, and I will judge them harshly.
0: Okay, Not, well, you heard it I first here, folks. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so one of the other things um, I think that uh, at least I've been thinking about, about specifically, as a you know, as again we we just watched the women's World Cup um how does this change for the players and some of the things and again this this is where it gets more into opinion and perspective pieces rather than research but um some of the the things that i've noticed and then liz i'd love to hear your thoughts on this defenders um because there's a tendency. You know, because VAR is used to decide if penalty kick if if a penalty kick should be called, um, defenders have to be a whole lot more careful about handballs inside the box. And so, uh, I remember one of the games that I was watching. Uh, one of the commentators, uh, who I guess uh, was a defender when when uh, they played uh, professionally, was just talking about how now. Defenders just have to be so careful and oftentimes you would see, you know, the, the striker coming down the field with the ball and then the defender would just be there with like both of her hands held behind her back just trying to defend and, and the commentator said, you know, there's no balance in that. You can't be quick in that, but it's kind of the price that has to be paid so that you don't like accidentally, you know, the ball doesn't accidentally hit your arm and you get a penalty kick called, um, which I thought was, was interesting, um offsides is a big thing. So, you know, if you know, we mentioned it already, if you're a tiny bit offside, they're going to call it. Um and then uh, for goalkeepers uh, with penalty kicks, I mean, I think um, it becomes it becomes like a a whole new it's a whole new world list, a whole new world. Oh, a whole new world.
1: Um that was the wrong tune. It really bothers me. But anyways, <laughs> yeah, I think I think I want to see other technology developed for some of this. Um, Maybe I will compete with Badami and his group and start my own company. Not doing what he's doing, but something better, obviously. So, goalkeepers. Like, there's got to be something better than making sure they're not one-tenth of a centimeter off of... That's a millimeter, right? One millimeter off of their line. Like, I just... It feels really, really weird to be that nitpicky when you know that it wouldn't have been called, like, and it wouldn't have been called anywhere. Some of, like it just and and because of how long it took to get to that call, like, we were already in a new run of play. I'm back to the World Cup, in case you can't <laughs> tell. But you were already in a new run of play, so some of these things, they're very, I. I think they're going to have to be a lot more rules. Like right now, it's just a general. These are the things that we review for. This is when you're allowed to use VAR. Um, the end. And I I don't think that that's enough. I think that we need to, to be more conscientious of the run of the game, respecting the opinions of uh, the refs. I mean, you're supposed to be evaluating them each game. There's supposed to be random checks for are they doing a good job, someone sitting in the stands and saying, you know, did they miss a bunch of stuff? or saying you know what this game got away from them. Let's go back and review a bunch of plays. There's supposed to be all these other things going on for these refs. I I you have to trust them at some point. And I think that maybe that's my problem is that these rules are so open-ended that it feels like they just they don't trust the training, which is is very disappointing. So, I I I think it makes it very hard um on the players. I think it makes it very hard on the refs but while it makes it harder on the players do you think it increases their safety because it encourages them not to make dumb challenges or because if there was something that that you know that could have smacked them in the nose or taken out their shin do you do you think there's safety in this
0: I mean I I don't know and I think this is I think I think you're right and I think you touched on something that there is kind of this there have been um, a set of new rules coming out, and I just wonder um, if there will be another set of new rules as a result of having VAR, right? And I and and I think like the handball things comes to mind, right? You know, I think when you're preventing a player from being able to like effectively play the game, like have their hand have their arms at their sides loosely for balance for changing direction. You know, I I don't know, in my mind there has to be some sort of evolution of the rules to then accommodate for this, like, hypervigilance when it comes to VAR um, in that case. Now, when it comes to player safety, I think think VAR can be a really great thing. At the same time, right, after we read, you know, the study about, you know, slow-mo versus regular speed – And just knowing, you know, research that has been published previously about racial bias when it comes to officiating in um, the, in Major League Baseball, in the NBA. um, I'm sure it also happens in, you know, soccer officiating too. I just, there are so many factors there that, you know, I want players to be safe. I want players to adhere to the rules. I think from my perspective, that is the purpose of the official, is to make sure players are safe and make sure that players are following the rules. At the same time, these aren't objective calls, right? I mean, some, sometimes it's, like, pretty yeah. clear, right? Like, that was a straight red, there was intent, like, all the things, it was a goal scoring out, you know, whatever it was. Sometimes it's very clear. But I think when, when it gets into this, like, very large gray area of, like, yellow card, second yellow card... Was it a straight red? You know, there, there is this, like, swatch of gray area where I just think there are just so many other factors that you add VAR to it. And I don't know that VAR is improving decision making or just making decision making more complicated. Does that make sense? It does
1: make sense. Um, okay, so let's, let's go into what we want to see happen to make VAR work. And I'm going to go first... Because what I think we need is more monitors on our players. So we we put monitors um, on our players to get their health stats during the game. So like oxygen levels and your heart rate. Like all these things are being real time sent back to, you know, a computer. Why can't we put monitors on like a goalie's boots? And then you'll know, are they on the line or not? Like the, if we already have goal line technology, I feel like that can be... Built into going technology. Um, there's got to be some some other things that maybe can be added, you know, on on that monitor end of it. I don't want everyone to have little dots on their face and to be followed around by a camera. But I also think that we need to do more with this research. Um, if if the research says that when you're reviewing a subjective call, you do much better in real time, then I think. The the calls about whether there was a foul at all, if you deserve to have a card. I think all of that should be done in real time. Don't you can't play. You can get different angles, but you don't get any slow mo because you're not going to make a better call. Um, And I don't need you to second guess yourself. Um, I think that teaching these refs to be confident in their decision is really important. Like I don't want to mess with someone psychologically to always second guess themselves. Um, or to get really defensive, I think that you will get, you're going to get a lot of refs who will be psychologically damaged by being forced to look at VR in a special, in a certain way. Do you mean like if you're like, oh, well, you always have to look at it in slow mo, and you always have to look at it from seven angles? Also, these four guys in the back said it was a clear and obvious error because whether or not you put the word "may" in front of it, if you tell someone to review it, that, that's what they're going to hear. That there was a clear and obvious error. Um, I think that's going to mess with people. So obviously this is going to be something that gets taught more, but until then we need to, to do that. And then, and when you have objective calls, let's do slow-mo. So if we're doing offside, let's do slow-mo because there may have been a lot of traffic. There may have been a lot of people around and taking down and being able to pause the film. It's a, it's a moment in time. You don't need the whole run of play. You need a moment in time. Um, I think it's also something, if there is, there's the possibility that there are three different fouls, and you saw one, but there's two other fights on the field, those are times when you're allowed, I think you should be allowed to maybe just pause the film and decide, and then if you have to review the play, if it's it's for a foul, look at it in real time. But uh, I think we should make those differentiations, that we should try and make this work for the game, and to keep the game moving, and to keep the quality of our players and the quality of our refs up. What do you think that they could do on the coaching and training end to uh, to better prepare themselves as players and coaches for VAR?
0: Yeah, I think that I think there's um, a lot of stuff that's already being done, right? Um, and, and not just in soccer, right? Uh, they are using a lot of video analysis and, and reviewing player movement in order to improve kind of those tiny things that can improve performance um, so this happens in rugby and cricket and javelin and, and cycling and, and Blackman um, from his 2018 article had, had come up with this. And there is also you know in soccer there's also preparation and training for penalty kicks both for the goalkeeper and the person taking um, the, the penalty kick. Um, and this and this doesn't happen just at the top you know flights of of soccer this happens you know at all leagues you know every uh team reviews film of the of their opposition before before um the game and so i think from from a var perspective i think i i don't know exactly how var as it's currently being implemented in the game um can improve um future performance other than hey don't be off sides but like I, I, you know, like, I I don't, I don't know, like, what that means other than, you know, with experience you learn to time your runs better or, you know, as a team you become more cohesive and time your runs better. Um, I, I, I do wonder if there are some kind of underlying consequences when it comes to some of the fouls being called and some of the other contributors to, um, disciplinary decisions being made by, um, the, by the officials and and but I think when it comes to coaching and training I think I think technology I think the use of video can really improve a lot of things I think it can also highlight um, potentially when players are actually ready to come back from injury you know are there kind of tendencies in player movements you know perhaps like after um, an ACL injury or ankle injury or, or something else that's happening that are indicative of that injury not being fully healed yet. Um, but I think kind of when it comes to VAR, I, I want to see more research. I want there to be more data that's publicly available that people can do analyses on. I think that's just so critically important to help us understand what is working and what's not working. And, you know, going back to kind of some of the criticisms of VAR, you know, is it really having this impact that some critics think it is? And I don't know. Is it having a positive impact? Is it having a negative impact? I guess it suppose I guess it depends on what team you're cheering for. But um, you know, I, I think that would be really interesting to, to look at to do an analysis to say, does VAR actually have an impact on the outcomes of games or is this just kind of like another component that, you know, may have like such a small marginal impact, but that isn't like significant to the actual outcome of the game. Um, I don't know. And I think that's why we need the research to to tell us.
1: Yeah. I also think it would be interesting if, um, some of the, the training techniques were shared with the teams so that as these refs were learning how to look at VAR or what they consider, um, maybe not the, Obviously, they don't need the full training. But it used to be a coach knew what the ref was looking for because he knew the rules of the game. If you don't know the rules of VAR, I think it's very hard to understand why some calls are going one way or another. And just telling your team either, well, the refs hate us because we're wearing purple. Or, oh, that ref's from Michigan and we're playing in Ohio, so obviously they're not going to – like, that's just not productive. And I know it's, I know it's not typical – I know everyone says, "Oh, a coach would never do that." I guarantee you some people do because when you're frustrated, like you say things and when you don't know what's going on, but these these guys or girls are looking to you for an answer. What are you going to say to them? I don't know. Yeah, okay, coach, great. Then I'll listen to you for everything else. So, I think that that's what I w- another thing I would like to see is that these coaches Um, get some kind of indication about how the training is working so that they understand and can can share that when they're having a rough game and you know some calls through var have not gone their way or have gone their way that they can say listen this is why like i understand it as opposed to well it's just a rough thing
0: yeah yeah well as we have talked about so so much when it comes to var do you have any closing thoughts before we get out of here
1: um, I really like summer there's like, <laughs> it's just so nice can I just say the sun is shining right now I go to bed and it's so late and there's still just like a little bit of sun I'm I'm a very pleased person right now it's everything for me Great. what about you and any last parting thoughts for everybody
0: oh uh no I think that uh yeah I'm excited about this episode I think it's an interesting topic and uh if folks have you know, things that they want us to cover. Like, I want to hear them, right? We want to hear what they are. And we're happy oh, to dig yeah. into something. Um, but yeah, I think VR has so much potential um, to be good and bad and ugly. And I think we've already seen most of it. And I'm sure um, there'll be some controversy coming in the future. But uh, yeah, I'm just I'm excited about the potential that this technology has.
1: All right, I guess we can get on out of here. But first, we have to do our outro. You know it's true. Thank you to our sponsor, the Golden Gold Press. The best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mug, and other items for your organization, or just because. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price of other places at goldengoldpress.com. Also, thanks to Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your grouper team at roughneckscarves.com. We wouldn't be here without our lovely host, the Beautiful Game Network. BGN covers teams across MLS, USL Championship, USL League One. They even have some EPL information for you. And we're adding the NWSL. i got to add that. Check out their podcast and written content at bgn.fm. You can follow us and give us your feedback, opinions, and all of your other information at BGN Soccer Better. Head over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you may listen to podcasts and push that subscribe button. If you're feeling generous, you can also go ahead and give us a review. We can't wait to uh, learn more and soccer better with you all in the very near future. Bye.